Hi, my name is Rhea Wolf, and I'm a practicing witch and priestess. So I'm going to ask you to cut that deck. Okay. So that just means to take a pile where you feel it's right and then put what's on top on top. Like this? Yep. Okay. Now I'm kind of worried I'm going to draw like a death card. That's okay. <laughs> Rhea Wolf is many things. A practicing witch and a professional astrologer. She's written zines about witchcraft and a book about the moon. She is not, however, a professional tarot card reader. But I cajoled her into helping me do a tarot reading, a reading specifically about this podcast. When we see witchcraft in pop culture, it's usually either presented in the past or portrayed in caricature. You know, like in the Disney film Hocus Pocus. All Hallows' Eve has become a night of frolic, oh. where children wear costumes and run Don't get me wrong, I like Winifred, Sarah, and Mary as much as the next kid who grew up in the 90s, but pop culture depictions of witches leave out a lot of real-life witches. There are many, many people who sincerely practice witchcraft today. Though various witchy spiritual practices have been around for thousands of years in various cultures, today witchcraft is going through a pop culture revival in the United States. Lots of younger women are finding it empowering to identify as witches, claiming a witchy aesthetic, and sharing spells on Instagram and Tumblr. At the same time, women, men, and queer folks of all ages are finding community and power in applying age-old witchy wisdom to modern problems. There is a huge body of work on witchcraft, including whole bookstores worth of titles on how to develop your own practice. On today's episode, we're exploring specifically the current popularity of witchcraft in music, movies, and other media. We'll hear from a queer witch columnist, discuss new horror film The Witch, and even learn some spells. But first, let's not forget about the tarot reading. So the future of propaganda. Wow, so you just laid out five cards mm -hmm. on the table here. Um, I have no idea what any of them mean. Yeah, so... What do you see here? Uh, let's see. There's four big stakes, like big sticks in the ground with uh, two people celebrating in the middle and a bunch of like fruit. So what does that make you feel like? Bountiful. Bountiful. That is the present state of oh, propaganda. The, the present state of propaganda is bountiful? Is bountiful. There is a bounty that you can claim at this point. And part of that bounty that you can claim at this point might be about just recognizing all the resources that you have available to you, um, whether that's physical resources or emotional, intellectual, or spiritual resources. So recognizing also that what inspires you can be trusted. Great. Love it. Right. Feeling bountiful. Um, and then in the outcome card, you have the Queen of Swords. Look Ooh, at her. Man, she looks pretty powerful. She's sitting on a big throne in front of a bunch of clouds, and she's holding the world's biggest sword and she's kind of like gesturing in a, in a in a kind way like come come here and she's wearing a cape of clouds too and has a crown made of golden butterflies on her head this is our outcome this yeah. is pretty sweet yeah and i get a butterfly crown you totally are gonna get a butterfly crown it's gonna come in the mail no <laughs> but the queen of swords swords are traditionally associated with the element of air and the element of air is about our intellectual capacity. And so it's about communication. It's about um, 
our intelligence. It's our, about our ability to make decisions and to be able to cut the bullshit and do what needs to be done. It's about facing the consequences of actions. That's a good thing. So that's a bullshit cutting sword? Yes, this is a bullshit cutting sword. Excellent. Yes, she does that. <laughs> She's like, enough is enough. <laughs> Witches today practice all sorts of varieties of witchcraft in all sorts of ways. Some approaches to witchcraft, like Wicca, have official non-profit structures and government recognition. People in the military can get Wicca pentacles on their gravestones. Some practices are rooted in cultural traditions or family traditions, like Hoodoo and Santeria. Other witches, like Rhea, learned on their own, from books and friends. Well, I had experiences from a pretty young age in which I felt really connected in the natural world and had psychic dreams uh, from the age of eight and um, was always a spiritual seeker, even though I was raised in a home that was pretty secular and non-religious. And so I myself asked to go to church and my parents very obligingly took me to church um, every week. And it was at that church um, that they showed a video when I was about 14 or 15 years old. It was a very uncaring characteristic video for them to be showing. It was trying to warn us away from the wrong path, which was was pretty unusual for um, for the church that I went to. But in that video, a woman appeared on the screen and said, hi, my name is Jen and I'm a witch. And what that means to me is, and she started describing the spiritual path and I instantly knew that's my spiritual path. And the other thing that I knew is that's my friend Jen that I go to summer camp with. And there she is on this TV screen, you know, proclaiming herself to be a witch. That's so funny. Like your friend was the cautionary tale. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she actually turned me on to the name for the path that I felt like I was already doing, which was a very individual individually oriented connection to spirit, you know, and I was going to a church in order to get whatever spiritual connection I could get. And that was what's offered in the mainstream world. Um, but the way that she described it, I instantly knew, oh, that's what I've been doing. That's mm -hmm. what I'm interested in. And at that point, I was already doing things like spending a lot of time in the occult section in my small town, Kansas library um, and, you know, reading tarot cards that I had ordered um, from some catalog somewhere. So, um, you know, I was already experiencing some of the tools of witchcraft. And um, so what what shape did your practice take for the next few decades of your life? Um, was it something you went to a group for or were you just on your own? I was pretty much solitary. And that's kind of the the term that's used for witches who aren't part of a coven or part of a group, a spiritual group that meets regularly together. So I was a solitary witch, you know, through my teens and my 20s. Um, when I was in college, I did a self-dedication ceremony where I, you know, got my special athame, and that's the, the ritual uh, blade that's used that witches often use to... Um, create sacred space and also to cut herbs that they may use for um, for different practices. So I, I dedicated my athame and I dedicated myself um, to living life as a witch. And uh, 
um, I was about 20 or 21 when I did that. It really was a solitary practice for me until I moved to Portland. Um, I met a few other people here and there, um, but it wasn't until, you know, 1999, 2000 that I moved to Portland and started meeting other people who uh, practice witchcraft, who call themselves witches. Um, And then it was starting a school in 2005, um, the Blue Iris Mystery School, in which I started really practicing with other witches. The phrase solitary witch just sounds so lonely. Well, I mean, it is in a lot of ways, and I definitely have a hunger for spiritual community. I love being in a group and and worshiping and practicing in a group situation. Um, But the, the thing about being a solitary witch is that, you know, Part of my understanding of witchcraft, and I, I don't proclaim to be a spokesperson for all the different ways that, that witches practice, but for me, part of being a witch means that the most important connection and relationship in my life is between me and the goddess. That's how I choose to call a deity, a higher power. Um, and so it's through cultivating that relationship, that direct communion, that direct relationship with spirit, that's really the most important component of practicing. Um And so, therefore, it's not as important whether I'm doing that with a group or by myself. When I learned about witches in school, I was always in a historical context. Witches exist in the history book between the periods of 1500 to 1800 when there were, you know, the horrible um, witch trials and thousands of people were murdered. Uh, But I didn't know that there were still witches around today or that there was paganism or Wiccanism that people still practice today, that witchcraft survived those those purges it's becoming more prominent or more known that there are actually thing people that are witches and that they aren't uh nefarious they aren't scary they aren't green-skinned they don't fly on broomsticks right like all of the superstitions that we're taught about what witches are or even when we're taught about the burning times we're often taught that uh that women were burned as witches, but they weren't really witches, you know, because witches don't actually exist, that it was this hysteria of the time in which women were demonized. And I think both things are true. Um, you, you, you mean that women who were practicing a, a, a religious and cultural tradition of witchcraft were identified as witches and could be killed, as well as women who were who were mainstream Christians and weren't practicing witchcraft right, at all. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both things are true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think what's happening right now is as definitely as we come into more earth consciousness about how we are not separate from the planet in which we take life, um, that we have an obligation to protect this planet as well, that more earth-based spiritual traditions are coming up to the surface and people are looking for a way that their spiritual path can meet and match their activism in in that realm as well. And so I like to tell people how um, uh, rather than needing to co-opt First Nations religions from this continent, that we can all find a connection to a lineage of indigenous wisdom and culture. In this case, maybe it's European indigenous culture, or maybe it's African, or maybe it's Asian, but we all have a connection to people in our ancestral lines that practiced reverence for the earth, that practiced a way of being in relationship with the elements and with the planet um, as alive, as a living being. In our pop culture, there's not 
I can't think of any realistic modern representations of witches or witchcraft. When witches do show up on TV shows or in movies, it's always this this sort of extreme outlandish version. Everything from, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West, who's sort of the classic green and warty witch, to silliness in films like Hocus Pocus, to the goth sexy ladies of the 90s movie The Craft. Um where does modern witchcraft lie within all those representations? How, can you think of a of a pop culture representation of witchcraft that actually reflects your experiences? And if not, like what is misrepresented about witchcraft in our in our pop culture consciousness? Well, I think that I'm not the best spokesperson for pop culture consciousness in general. Anything after the 90s is kind of lost to me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I do, I do, I found a lot of resonance. I was, I was a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series by Joss Whedon. And I did find a lot of resonance in how witchcraft was dealt with. Uh, in regard to the character Willow. If people haven't seen the show, can you tell us about Willow and what she practices? So one of the things that's cool about Willow, she's not only a witch, but she's also queer. And so we're we're bringing in two different uh, labels that are often connected with other, right, with something mysterious or outside of the norm. And so one of the things that I liked about how it was portrayed there, it was treated like it was a real thing. I mean, let's just start there. It wasn't caricatured. It wasn't, um, you know, she wasn't, she was definitely doing a lot of magical, uh, uh, supernatural things that I myself can't do as a witch, at least not in my body. Such as battling vampires. Yeah, you know, such as like flying through the air and like um, doing, you know, glamour spells on herself to change how she looked. I mean, I can't do it in the way that it's presented on on TV. But I felt like a lot of the complexity of what she was working with um, in terms of power, in terms of how do we use our power? Do we use it to create more balance in the world? Do we use our power with others in service of the good or in service of a mutually beneficial relationships? Or do we let the power overtake us and and move into situations in which we're using a power over dynamic, where we're dominating, we're seeking to dominate situations? That was Rhea Wolf. Her book on astrology is called The Light That Catches, The Moon in Astrology, Stories, and Time. You're listening to Popaganda, the feminism and pop culture podcast. Today, we're 